Welcome to Nattering with the Knights. Nord Anglia International School, Hong Kong's P department, talking about sport, physical activity, health and a host of other topics. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Nattering with the Knights. This week I sit down with our first ever external guest, Nathan Gavau. Nathan is a former student of myself and Miss Jones where he was a pivotal member of the PE department from his years 7 to 11 at the British School of Kuwait, which is now a Nord Anglia school. Now 20 years old, Nathan is taking the UK by storm with his powerlifting numbers where he recently posted some unofficial junior European records. It gives me immense pride to speak to a former student and hear of his success in sport after his school journey was complete. We hope this episode acts as an inspiration to all of our pupils and other listeners alike. Get the earphones in, get out and get active and enjoy the episode. Welcome everybody to our latest episode of Nothing with Knights. This week I welcome Nathan Gavau, a junior powerlifter from the UK. Hello Nathan. Hello. Um, so just as a little overview guys, and I'm sure I can ask Nathan to jump in and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, just to give you a bit of background to who Nathan is. First of all, he's a former pupil of myself and Miss Jones. Um, he was actually in the first ever class I taught at school. Uh, I, I was a fresh-faced 22-year-old. Nathan was in year seven in my tutor class with a few other characters who might get a few mentions, I'm sure, over the course of the episode. Uh, and over the next five years at school, he grew into a very formidable athlete, although one that is, was considerably smaller than he is now, um, and also a high-achieving student academically. Uh, he was part of our best group of students um, in terms of their sporting achievements, regularly won local championships in basketball, volleyball, football, and swimming, all of which he was a key aspect of the team. Um, no, he was a good athlete, but also nowhere near the size of strength he currently is. <laughs> in my final year at school, Nathan, and in Nathan's year 11, he walked away with our Lifetime Achievement Award, which was reserved for somebody who had raised the bar of sporting success during the time we'd been at the school, which, if I'm right, Nathan, you'd been at the school in Kuwait since uh, year one? Uh, since reception. Reception, so you were a complete... You went all the way through to the end of year 11. Pretty impressive. Um, and anything to add to that, Nathan? Have I undersold you in any way there in terms nope. of a quick overview? That's pretty accurate. Good. Nice one. Um, so, um, and I say one thing I didn't mention there was student, uh, Nathan was a student of mine in uh, Kuwait, uh, the, the British School of Kuwait, um, for the five years that I was there. Um, so just to get an overview, Nathan, what was the journey that you took after you left Kuwait? Where did you go? So after I left Kuwait, I um, it was year 11 when I finished. And so I headed over to the UK over here. And um, I went to college in Winchester, which is near Southampton, because uh, more people know that. Um, and yeah, uh, so I moved over to college. I was doing boarding sig form um, over there. And that's where, yeah, that's what happened pretty much. And in terms of the, the changes that you noticed between the UK and Kuwait, specifically within school, what was the kind of, obviously you'd been at, in Kuwait since you'd been in reception, must have been a big shift in culture for you. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, to be honest, I just wasn't really necessarily ready for that because I knew it was going to be a change in culture. But obviously, having been in Kuwait and being, being at British school, I thought it wouldn't be that different, really. Um but I feel like one of the biggest things was moving over academically 
uh, although there was also a big shift in the sporting aspects as well. Uh, being in Kuwait, being in an international school, I'm sure it's the same over there. Uh, academics are very heavily looked on. Um, and so um, getting a B over in Kuwait was sort of just something just unheard of. Like if you got a B, it was sort of a thing where everyone would sort of just look at you and be like, oh, oh you've got a B, how have you got a B? everyone's obviously aiming for an A at all times everyone's gunning for it just completely just competitive driven focus and then you get over to the UK and uh, you'll hear someone being like oh I got a C it's so great and it was just very very different because I'm sat there thinking how have you how have you gotten a C and you're happy with that but um, I think it became a much more sort of relaxed environment Um, not necessarily that was a good thing but um it did just chill everything out a little. Didn't really change my mindset on things because I was still very focused in the same way I was in Kuwait. But um, yeah, uh, when it came to sporting, I would say in Kuwait, it was very different in that it was obviously a sort of three sport season, uh, sorry, three sport year that we did in Kuwait. So Mm -hmm. we obviously would have football, basketball, volleyball on a rolling basis during the year. And um, when I moved over to the UK, that changed very heavily as well because it became one sport for the entire year. Uh, and that meant that I essentially had to choose what I was going to narrow into. Um, in Kuwait, at the end of sort of my time over there, obviously one of my mates, James, who you know, Picard, um, he was very into rugby. He was Australian. Um, and so we played, started to play rugby at a team in Kuwait for a bit. And so when I got over to the UK, I did try that for a little, sort of like as a secondary sport on top of the basketball that I decided to focus into because obviously that was just my main sort of favourite sport back in Kuwait. Um, I tried rugby for a bit and realised it was freezing outside and I gave that up really, really quickly. Um, so I stuck to my indoor sports and um, went back to basketball. I think basketball was very different because being in Kuwait, being in uh just being a part of that sort of Middle Eastern basketball sort of thing. Um, for example, when we go over to BSME, which was the um, international, well, how do you describe BSME? Uh, international schools um, of Middle East kind of inter- international tournament, yeah. Yeah, so the international tournaments that we do, um, those were, we'd go over there and we just, most of the time we would just destroy everyone. Um, it was a thing where our team would be walking around and people would be coming up going, oh yeah, make sure you don't forget us uh make sure when you guys reach the nba you're like and we're all just thinking oh yeah we are we are sick we are just massive um just the best out here and um getting into the uk realizing it was very much sort of we were middle-sized fish in a very small pond and uh and i got over there and everyone else was a big fish and it (laughs) it was very different because as soon as I got over, I realized I wasn't as good as I thought I was um, necessarily. It was not necessarily a shock because I was still working just as hard, trying to get better, trying to get to everyone else's level. But um, it did mean that sort of being the top wasn't, wasn't it anymore. I was having to work quite hard. And on top of that, because I was a border, it meant that I got to bypass the trials for the team. Um, because the trials took place before I actually arrived. And so when I got in, uh, the coach didn't really 
love the fact that I've just been able to jump into the team without actually going through the trials. And so from day one, it was sort of a, you are going to be on the backseat until you prove yourself sort of thing because I didn't pick you for this team. <laughs> or at least that's how, that's very much how it felt. Um, and so I didn't really get much playing time at all, uh, which sort of pushed me towards volleyball in my second year because when I did my second year of college, so th- that was year 12, this is going into year 13. Um, when I got to year 13, I was sort of thinking, okay, let me probably try giving a different sport a go. Maybe I should just, I know I've always been good at volleyball. Let me give volleyball a try. Uh, and so I went over to the volleyball team, at which point the basketball coach happened to leave the college. Um, and and we ended up picking a new coach, but um, my volleyball coach told me that I wasn't allowed to go back because she wanted to keep me for the team. So I stuck to volleyball at this point and ended up playing volleyball throughout second year. And it went much better than my basketball sort of journey at the college went. Uh, we ended up getting to AOC uh, championships over here in Nottingham, which is Association of Colleges. And um, we ended up coming third in that tournament, I want to say. So we did really well overall, which was really cool. Um, and I managed to break into the first team relatively early, which was nice as well. Uh, and then, yeah, came over to uni after that so that's just <laughs> very interesting to hear that story because obviously when you left Kuwait your final year I've got a vision of you in the basketball setup and you're right like you were part of a team that was very very uh, gifted relative to the standard that we had around us but I also still think where I've been in the since then and um, specifically to basketball that I thought the Middle East's standard was was really high actually I always consider that that some of the best school basketball setups and I said you were one of those better players so then to go to the UK and almost realize that you were not the you know the main man um, anymore must have been a yeah big shock indeed and in terms of then other sports you were playing at school when you were with me um, but then I have moved to UK so did you have you never then competed again in things like football swimming is that just literally your last time competing was Kuwait for them so with football, um, I didn't really continue playing football competitively after Kuwait. Uh, I did want to dip my feet in it sort of at college and at uni as well. But the thing was at college, because of the fact that it was such a one sport system, it just meant that I had to focus in on something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's been times where I've done like five aside with particular teams or whatever. And I've always fancied myself as a centre back. I love it. Love it. But um <laughs> But I do also know that I've got, or at least I knew that I had to prioritise and I had to focus in. So it just meant that if I was going to be jumping on and trying something else out, for example, at the start of uni, when I got into uni and I thought, oh, now now I get to choose my sports all over again, like I did at college. um, It was a situation where I thought, okay, I could do football uh, and just see how good I am now. But I also knew that I've been playing basketball and volleyball for the past two years and to try and jump on another sport now and lose sort of the skill that I've gained in the past two years doing these other things um, would be detrimental to my ability uh, just because even going back to Kuwait for example playing against some of the boys that I was with in the team it was such a big difference um, going back to Kuwait and playing with everyone because it was like okay being over here in the UK has made me so much better than I would have been if I had stayed over here sort of thing Um, which was quite interesting because I agree um, it being in the Middle East and being in other places, it does very much seem like we did have a really good setup, 
But then equally, people over here have normally been playing their sports since they're really young because obviously basketball is, isn't the national sport of the UK per se at all. Um, it's more of sort of a side sport uh, along with volleyball. And so if you play basketball or volleyball in the UK, you more time will know someone who's played maybe in a completely different part of the country than you and you've never met really. But as soon as someone says their name, you'll know of them because it's such a small sort of community and everyone's been playing academy level since they were five years old. Whereas we obviously dipped our feet in Saturday school for basketball once a week and then that would be it. So it was very, um, although I could hold my own, I wasn't to the same standard as everyone else. And I definitely knew that. So, um, so yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously I haven't been raised in the UK myself. I know that as soon as you said the one sports system, I was, I couldn't believe that you obviously went to a nicer college and I ever went to school. So I was interested to see if they would run something similar. I mean, my personal opinion was as a teacher, I absolutely loved the, the multi-sports, for kind of seasonal thing when I went to the Middle East. I didn't originally, I first got there and was so confused as to why they would run something, but I haven't seen it, haven't been there for just one year. I could see the benefit of that for the kids mainly, um, but also as a member of staff, it was it was just good, kept things fresh. Um, and in terms of you then having been part of both systems, which one do you kind of prefer? And I think I probably know the answer. But um, It's actually a difficult one to answer, to be honest, because... Although I really did love playing all three, um, the fact that coming over here and seeing how much everyone else developed on the one sport system just sort of makes me wish that I had had that one sport system as well. But equally, I like being able to jump in a game of football with a bunch of people and still hold my own against the rest of the team, even though I haven't played football in ages because I've had all those years of experience. But just in terms of being competitive, because I am just so competitive and it's always just regardless of what it is, I just want to win. Um, it's always been difficult to not be, I don't know, not difficult, but it's been, um, I've always wanted to be the best at something. And it's always been a situation where you're not necessarily the best at something, but you're above average at just a lot of things. Um, and so I think I may have preferred to be in that one spot system and see just how far I could have really gotten. Um, but yeah, that, I guess that's sort of changed now anyway, though. Um, but yeah. And in terms of then, so your attention kind of has shifted in the past couple of years to, to powerlifting. So what was the kind of initial interest in going down that, that avenue? And, um, you know, maybe it might have been exposure to, to some weightlifting at CrossFit BSK, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, you know, obviously... You've you've just it seems to have just jumped out of nowhere for me. Um, obviously, you've, we've not seen each other maybe four and a half years, um, and I certainly wouldn't have had you down as a powerlifter um, before then. But no, just yeah, shed a little light on to how you got involved in that. Yeah, so um, with powerlifting, it was a thing where probably I'd say the summer before I left Kuwait, or the summer where I was going to leave Kuwait when I'd finished my exams. Um, I knew that I was very close to being able to dunk in basketball. Um, <laughs> this is something I've been running for, which is just trying to jump up and get the ball into the rib. Um, and it was something I'd always run. I, like every year I was finding myself getting closer and closer to that point. Um, and I thought, right, how do I improve this? Let me get in the gym. Um, let me get a ball 
sorry, not get a ball, get a bar, get it on my back, just try and get my get a squat up. Um, hopefully that'll help me jump better, jump higher, um, make my legs stronger in general. And so I went down to a gym near my house. They actually told me I couldn't couldn't get in um, because I was too young, because I think I was, what, 16 at that point. Um, and they told me I wasn't allowed in because I think Kuwait's gym age is 18. Um, and, oh no, I would have been 16 or 17, no, 16. And the gym age is 18. And the, um, the guy said, no, you're too young. Um, and as I was leaving, uh, you obviously know Leo, Leo's dad happened to walk into the gym um, down the stairs randomly. I didn't even know they lived in this area. And um, he saw me, with, he was with Leo. He said a few words to the guy and um, in Arabic, which also surprised me because I had no idea he understood Arabic. And um, the guy turns around and goes, yeah, you can come in. And so that was, that was me into the gym. So Leo and I sort of ran a um, squat, sort of just, just general compound movement building program over the next few weeks before I actually came into the UK. Uh, when I did get to the UK, I ended up dropping all of that when I jumped into basketball and volleyball. And so I stopped going gym completely, but then being brushed aside sort of with the team, I was kind of like, okay, what can I do to sort of improve my body? Just get some, some sort of edge, uh, in basketball, just something that's going to push me that little bit more against all these other boys who are in the team with me. I was like, okay, let me start going to the gym again. One of the boys that I was in uh, in boarding with, Josh, he, uh, he actually went to Tez in Kuwait, which was surprising as well because <laughs> we had no idea that each other were going to be at the same boarding house. And there were, sorry, not boarding house, but sort of boarding area. And there were only 40 boarders in this school. Um, because it was a state boarding school. Um, and so we just randomly ended up bumping into each other. And so we started going to the gym together in January of first year of college, uh, just doing five by five programs. So five sets, five reps uh, on the main compound lifts. And it started getting better and better. We got stronger and stronger. And then he eventually fell off. And so I had to, um, I had to sort of push myself to continue going which just pushed me into doing more bodybuilding stuff. And so I was going to the gym and just doing a bunch of bodybuilding work, uh, just general gym stuff, just a normal gym program, normal gym splits. And uh, yeah, but because obviously I had been at CrossFit before, before doing all of this, it just meant that I was pretty competent in all of the lifts before I actually got to them. Um, so before I got to the point where I was doing heavy squats and things in the gym at college. I already knew all the basics of how to do everything because I'd already been taught them beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, in PE at BSK, I ended up, I remember I picked, I didn't have too much CrossFit exposure at BSK because I did pick the, um, what was it? The, uh, the other option where it was like endurance. Yeah. The endurance option. In, in, in the final year, I ended up picking the endurance option, but obviously we had had a few CrossFit sessions before that anyway, and then we ended up doing circuits. And so I did have some sort of basis when I got in, and that just meant that I already did, I was quite confident handling myself in, in the gym and didn't have to worry about any of that. So when I actually did get down to it, all of this, uh, all the gym stuff and everything was just very natural. Uh so I was quite, so I was quite comfortable, um, getting into all of it, but yeah. Um, 
so that was the initial journey into sort of the gym uh and then one of the gym sort of instructors who worked at the college gym uh saw me doing all my lifts and everything he knew me because we've been there for quite a while and he just sort of went oh yeah um because he was a weightlifter an olympic weightlifter and he was sort of like oh uh you do like squat bench and deadlift have you ever looked at powerlifting and I was kind of just thinking oh well I mean whatever and he was like oh yeah you should look at it and so I looked it up and, and um <laughs> and I think at that time my squat was around 160 or something this was mid first year going into second year uh my squat was around 160 kilograms my bench was probably at like 92 kilograms and then my deadlift was something like 190 kilograms and um <laughs> and so I sort of took a look at it took a look at at that point my weight class was the 74 kilogram weight class because powerlifting is split up into a number of weight classes for both men and women um and so at that time I was in the 74 kg weight class which is just everything underneath 74 between I think 66 kilograms and 74 I was weighing in at about 69 kilograms so probably midway through that class (laughs) um and I took a look at the English records I just happened to fall on the English records. I was just wondering, obviously, what is the top of this division? And um, I looked at the sub-junior records, that's under 18. And um, I realized that I wasn't that far away from them because it was something like a 165 squat and a, I want to say a 90 kilogram bench. The deadlift was too far for me to get to. But then the total, obviously all three lifts combined as well, I knew that I could potentially be and so for the next sort of year, it was a goal to sort of just push my squat bench and deadlift just further and further until I could potentially touch that. I wasn't necessarily powerlifting because I was still playing volleyball throughout that year. I was just going to the gym and doing a few lifts here and there to try and sort of get my strength up, see how close I could get. And then at the end of year 13, when I was um, about to sit my A-levels, I managed to sign up for a qualifying meet in Southampton where I went along, sorry, and let me explain that. So you need to do a qualifying meet to be able to do a national level meet, which the All England, the big meet that I wanted to do to break these records at, uh, was going to... Yeah, the, so the All England is where you have to break the records because you have to break the records at a national level meet. Mm-hmm. And so I competed in a qualifying regional meet, which is the level below national. And um, the regional meet had to be done to be able to do the national level meet. So I competed at this regional meet. I hit all my numbers. I qualified to compete in nationals. And so I went off to the All England, uh, I think it was May. So literally like a week or two before my A-levels actually started. Got myself on a train, um, jumped on a bus, and then ended up spending the night in an Airbnb before my competition. Uh, went the next morning, had a great day, and um, ended up breaking the squat, the bench, and the total record for the the English just the the English records um and so I thought yeah I'm sick sick I've broke a, I've broken these English records this is huge and then um I get back to college and I tell this um gym instructor and he's all like well I mean no one cares about the English records really and I was I sort of thought I was like what what were you talking about we had we had like quite a good level of bands between us so it didn't really like he wasn't he wasn't um being mean or anything but he was sort of like yeah no one cares about the, uh, the English record it's the British records that matter and I thought well I mean it's an English record like how different could those really be let me just gun for this now 
And um, I looked up the English records and I looked up the British records and the British record was way higher than what I had done. And I was sat there thinking, right, okay, well, I mean, I'm not going to be a sub-junior after this. I have to now go into the junior division, which is um, under 23, so between 18 years old and 23 years old. And I thought there's no chance I'm ever going to touch any of those numbers because those are so high. I think the squat went from my 170 my little 170 squat to a junior squat records for the 74 kilogram class of um it was something like 260 and it had taken me so long to hit 170 and I was thinking there is no chance I'm gonna be hitting 260 anytime soon and so it sort of just made me think okay um I'm not gonna bother continuing with powerlifting because that's that's too difficult let me go off to uni let me keep playing volleyball because uh, obviously that's what I've been doing now and let me just focus in on that and so that was the uh, that was sort of the plan. Wow. So, and also just to consider here for the listeners that may be thinking these weights sound like small change. Um, I've got a little bit of research here. So, your most recent lifts. This was on your Instagram. So we got a, a three hundred eight kilo deadlift. Sorry, three hundred eight point five. I know that you guys take this seriously. Those extras. So. That's approximately the same weight as two giant pandas. So when he's deadlifting, two giant pandas. And then your back squat was recently was 272 kilograms, which is the equivalent of 250 one-liter bottles of water. Pretty impressive, that. Um, so yeah, just to give you a bit of background, me and um, Mr. Scott, who is one of my um, best mates anyway, so when we first started following your Instagram when you left school um, and you were putting up some of these numbers, I remember messaging him going, have you seen Nathan's Instagram? And he was just like, I'm going to delete him soon because I can't process him lifting these numbers. It's making me feel inadequate. Um, because me and him, I went to uni with him. So we've known each other maybe 15 years and we would go to the gym together. And I think between the two of us, our progression in numbers has gone up maybe like, I don't know, I'd say like my back spot now is maybe like, without doing any powerlifting specific training, like maybe like 120, 130, and it's uni, it might have been 80. So like there, my progressions is 50 kilograms, and then you're like all of a sudden going to the gym, and it's like instantaneous, boom, these massive numbers. So we were both absolutely heartbroken, slash very happy for you, but at the same time, <laughs> um, feeling like, you know, we were half the, the human being. Um and yeah, just couldn't process. And then the bench press, so the bench press. So when I was at BSK, um, in the morning, it was actually one of my birthdays. I can't remember which, what age I would have been. But I remember benching 225 pounds, so 100 kilo. And that's like the ultimate sticker of a man. Um, and I was so happy. And then I saw your bench and I literally was like, I, I don't think I've bench pressed ever since that day. And I mean, cause I was like, I'm done, I'm happy. And then you're chucking up one one sixty, um, which is yeah, which is demoralising. Um, so in terms of a powerlifting meet, you've kind of shed a little bit of light on how it, how the kind of system works in the UK in terms of the you know qualifying in a regional event and then into a national event. How does the actual competition work in terms of the I don't know the order of the lifts and and then how that equates to and how many attempts you get etc. How does that work at a competition? Right. So with a um, with a competition. You go in uh, each lift. So obviously there's three lifts, squat, bench, and deadlift. And each lift, you get three attempts. 
Um, so you'll go on, uh, you'll do your first attempt for, let's say you walk on and you, you're starting with your squat, you'll do your first attempt for your squat and then everyone else will go. Uh, if you do your squat, you have to make sure it's below parallel. Uh, your feet can't move or at least they can't come off the ground. Uh, you're not allowed to, the bar has to go in a, a smooth path so it's not allowed to shift back down when you're standing up with it. Uh, so it has to be all the way up, has to be straight up the entire way. And um, once that's done, uh, you then move on, you go off, take your rest while everyone else does their first attempt. And then you come back on for your second attempt and so on and so forth. Uh, you have a, a relatively decent break between your uh, squat and your bench. And then the cycle continues. And then it's the same for your deadlift. Uh, you can change your attempts every now and then. So when it gets up to those sort of national level competitive um, events, so for example, this year for me, it would have been a situation where when it comes to the deadlift, those final few deadlifts, your coach or whoever's handling you for this meet, whoever's um, looking after you, changing your weight attempts and things, putting in your attempts, uh, is playing with the numbers to try and confuse everyone else. So when you walk on, um, they might have, I don't know, 200 kilos down next to your name. And everyone else is sort of thinking, okay, so this is where he squatted, this is where he's benched, put them together. Okay, so now maybe I need 300 kilos to beat him on the deadlift because he has 200 kilos down there. And so when you walk on, your handler will hand in your, new, your real attempt, which might be 270, and it'll change next to your name all of a sudden. And then that will fly up and everyone else is confused, scattering, trying to figure out what to do because all of a sudden your total is going to be so much bigger than theirs. And so they now have to figure out what they're going to do to lift more weight than potentially they even can, which is always fun to watch. But um, but yeah, so that's how the competitions sort of work. And so obviously you, the way you talked about it before as well was that you were, you kind of almost went to your first meet like having just been going to the gym yourself and, and this guy in the gym the trainer in the gym had kind of half hit it at powerlifting you mentioned the fact that you could see you benching deadlifting squatting and did you do that then that program to get yourself up to kind of 170 back squat was that just independent you just look up stuff on youtube google and just continue with your five by fives is that just like self-led um or did you have any exposure to kind of coach at that point or was that just all you yeah, so with um with the initial boost up to that, those first numbers that I hit, that was purely um gym stuff, uh with a mixture obviously of YouTube and Google, just getting information from everywhere. Obviously, YouTube is a great tool for learning all of that stuff, but it can be a very dangerous tool at the same time, especially when you're getting people telling you things that they really shouldn't be telling you um to do. Uh but what I was running with, I was lucky enough to find the sort of resources that pointed me in the right direction so I ended up looking at things that were saying oh yeah do a five by five program that's gonna increase and you put this up this much every week or every other session and um this much weight sorry and um I'd go in do those uh lifts and then I'd come back in the next week it was very poor the way I was training initially um just because I would never warm up for example I would walk in on Monday morning, 8 a.m. after just waking up uh, before college started and I would do a 145 by five and then I would leave without warming up. I'd just walk in, do it cold and leave and the gym trainer guy would always go, you are going to hurt yourself. And I would go, no, I'm not. 
Um, to this point, to be fair, luckily, knock on wood, I haven't, but I've also changed the way I train very much since then. Um, definitely warming up all the time now, but really, realistically, getting up to that those initial numbers, I was just running this five by five program, putting weight on the bar every time I managed to complete those five sets and five reps um, comfortably. And then it would just sort of continue with the cycle, just do the five by five, put weight on, go up again. Uh, until I sort of hit uni, I was running with that just by myself um, independently. And then I got to uni and I joined a um, society, uh, obviously the University of Nottingham Powerlifting Society, which I'm now the president of, to be fair. But first year, it was just coming in and uh, just sort of lifting as I was. And then I got to about December time um, of my first year. And I met a guy who was just sort of, he was powerlifting as well. And he was in my weight class and he would just constantly poke me. It was sort of like, a, oh, yeah when it gets to uni champs, I'm going to beat you. At this point, mind you, I had no idea what uni champs even was, but I just knew, I was like, forget all that I said earlier about not competing in this because I'm not going to hit those records. I need to beat this guy. And I was like, there is no way I'm going to have this guy going on about how he's going to beat me. I need to beat him. Um, and so the competitiveness just drove me to jump back on powerlifting maybe one last time. Uni champs turned out to be basically this big competition where all the uni lifters from all the societies would go. And it was basically just a massive meet where you'd go, you compete against everyone else in your weight class across the country. And um, obviously the best people would win. And my goal essentially became to beat this guy and also to beat the other people in the weight class at my uni. Um, and that was what I was gunning for when I got to uni champs. By the time I reached uni champs, I had dipped my toes into my first powerlifting program. Um, so my first strength sort of strength building program, it was called Candito, Candito, the six week version. And that allowed me to, it, it was a, obviously, as it says on the title, it's a six week program. Um, it went into a very different sort of training style than I was used to, because up to this point I was only doing five by fives and that was it. Um, and this program was telling me to do, a first set of one set of four reps and then five sets of eight reps to back off from that one set of four reps. And it was different weights and different rep schemes. And I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm, I'm going to follow it because it can't hurt me to do it. I mean, it's not going to, hopefully it's not going to make me any weaker. Um, and then I walked into uni champs and I got a personal record on all my lifts by about 20 kilos, 20 kilos on my squat. Uh, it was 10 kilos on my bench and then another, I don't know, I want to say it was another like 15 to 20 kilos on my deadlift as well. And at that point I was sort of thinking, right, okay, wow, this has actually really pushed me a lot. Um, and then I decided after uni champs, all right, now that I've done what I said I wanted to do, I might as well try and run this program one more time. And while I was running this program, um, I just set up my powerlifting Instagram uh, to sort of track my progress and track my lifts and everything. And one of the people I was following just dropped me a message. He was kind of like, Hey, um, do you need a coach? Are you, uh, are you doing anything? You like, you look quite strong, like blah, blah, blah. Now I know that's just how he approaches people because he just wants to get you interested. But, uh, but it was a good sales tip. Um, so he, so he jumped in, 
jumped in my messages, said that, and I met up with him for a little coaching session uh, later on in what later on in first year, and I then decided that I was going to continue with him. His name's Ben, and so I continue. I jumped on coaching with Ben, and from then it's just taken off basically. Nice one. Um, I still can't believe that. that. Just picking up a program off the internet had that impact for you. I wish I'd found the program. Cause see, I remember like when I like yeah, when I went to uni, that just that just didn't happen. That just didn't happen. I did five by five as well. Just didn't work out for me in the same way. Um, right. So in terms of a daily routine for your training, so let's maybe take a kind of well, this is not normal. I appreciate uh, right now, but um, without kind of shedding too much light on 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 the impact that COVID's had, like what is, how much do you train a week or a day? Uh, what kind of things as a student, you know, I, I recall being a student, it was a while ago, but uh, I'd imagine that if you're putting up numbers like that, you're going to have to sacrifice a few aspects of university life uh, that I maybe didn't. Um, so yeah, what kind of things have you, has gone out the window and what kind of things you do in a, in a week to train for powerlifting? Okay, so um, I'll start off with the like sort of weekend life. Um, <laughs> Uh, basically it'll be my current program that I'm running with is four days a week uh, I will train <laughs> the training sessions for powerlifting can be long uh, it's almost equivalent to training for a normal sport how you'd have one and a half hour two hour sessions sometimes powerlifting sessions can go on for three hours uh, if for example I'm doing a full squat bench deadlift session um, those are the longest for sure uh, but I will wake up in the morning, I will have my breakfast, and then I'll do all my uni stuff um, in the evenings, most of the time, more often than not, it'll be around five o'clock, six o'clock. I'll jump on the tram, head over to the gym, and um, and then I'll do my, session, uh, do my session, which will last two to three hours, sometimes one and a half if I'm lucky, normally two to three hours. Uh, and then I'll jump on the tram, come back, do whatever work I need to finish off for the night if I have any more work or just mess about for the rest of the night. And that's pretty much how my training days go. Um, when it comes to what I've had to sacrifice at uni, first year, really, there wasn't a ton of sacrifice just because our main uni nights were actually uh, Wednesdays. And so on Wednesdays, we'd go clubbing. Um, <laughs> it would be Wednesday night clubbing, Thursday is a rest day for me anyway, which means I'm not doing any workouts on Thursday. And so I don't have to worry about holding it back on Wednesday night because I've trained Wednesday morning already. And so I go on Wednesday night, come back Thursday night, recover. And then Friday we do it, just do the workout routine all over again. Uh, that started to change as I saw myself getting stronger. Uh, although in second year, I did go in and... <laughs> run for the role of social secretary in the volleyball committee. Um, however, I stopped playing volleyball in second year to focus in on my powerlifting. I did stay as the social sec, just meant that I was running running events and things for the club where I would be the one who needed to be just with my head screwed on all the time. I'm sort of the dad looking after the entire thing, um, not drinking most of the time and just looking after everyone essentially uh making sure the event is running smoothly etc so um 
so yeah but apart from that currently or at least if it was going to continue the way it did at the end of last year at the beginning of sort of this year um it was just purely rest days or rest days you stay at home you do your work uh and then when it comes to training days you go and you do training days as normal and club nights take a very large backseat or if i am going out or just meeting up with people for a drink or whatever it's very very held back uh because i got to a point where especially when i was tracking my calories and things when i am tracking my calories to make sure growth is happening everything's good my body's properly fed uh it i have to stay on top of what i'm putting in obviously so yeah okay um and in terms of covid um obviously i do see your instagram and the uk has gone into a second lockdown so i've seen what you're up to but uh so how have you kind of been able to man maintain so when we were in hong kong uh, and we went to lockdown gyms were closed the one thing that was sacrificed probably was strength because a lot of people don't have weights of a big enough number in their in their apartments to train indoors they can probably maintain a decent level of cardio um you know you can probably get out and do some proper good running you can have enough stuff that you can implement yet kind of impacting your body with lighter weights but you in your sport need to be lifting lifting big and obviously not not a lot of people have access to that in in their apartments how have you managed to maintain strength levels in in the covid lockdowns in the uk so in the first lockdown it was difficult because going in or at least going into it was difficult because no one really knew what was going on it was rumblings of oh they're going to lock us down blah 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 um and no one a lot of people said oh yeah it's not going to happen but then rumors started to increase it started to get more and more believable and then all of a sudden one day it was like okay the prime minister's jumping on tv he's saying we're locked down and uh it was i want to say four weeks out from my competition that I was going to be doing as well and um he locked us down obviously everything cancelled and so we ran into the gym uh we have a uni gym and we have a gym where our society does all of its sort of main lit competition training um because it has really good powerlifting equipment powerlifting specific equipment as opposed to the uni gym which is more of a commercial normalized gym that you'd find everywhere else um and so we ran over to this competition gym to try and get in a mock meet uh, of the same standard that we would sort of have if we had actually done the real competition yeah. um with all the proper plates because these plates are calibrated which means that they're just perfect to the correct number whereas a regular gym plate might be off by one or two kilos or pounds uh, from time to time so we ran over to this gym uh and we did our max outs and we were sort of like oh any chance you guys are going to be renting out equipment or anything and um the guy who runs the gym tom he's a really nice guy he was sort of like oh, i don't know if i will guys um i'll let you know if i do and then we sort of went okay right we're going to get a group of boys together and we are going to figure out how much money we can all sacrifice to bring in a squat rack a bench a bar and some plates um and so we were all on amazon looking things up we found a squat rack we ordered that in um managed to get it on amazon prime so it was coming in i think two days after lockdown actually happens it was the same with the bench that was great we got in mats too and then i got a message on my phone from tom the gym owner 
just saying, oh yeah, by the way, um, we're going to be renting out equipment if you do want it, because I know you guys asked for it. And so I was like, oh, thank you so much. Like, we'll come and pick that up. And so we ran back uh, to uh, Nottingham Strong, the gym, and we piled all of, I think, 240 kilos into one of my mate's cars. And we drove it all into the house, offloaded it all. And so we were training a mixture of in the mixture of sorry mixture of in the garden and also inside in the living room it was fine back then in the first lockdown because uh most of my housemates were gone uh my brother william obviously came up from southampton because he's at boarding over there now as well and he came up and he was staying over here and then it was pretty much just us uh up here along with nikki as well and so us three were the only ones in the house. And so it was fine for us to do whatever pretty much. And that just meant that it was just groups of us training, or at least I'll say that it was about one to two of us training at a time. We sort of split it up so that people weren't really in contact with each other as much as possible. And we sort of split routines and things, uh, but we managed to get all of our sessions done. Everyone managed to get it in. We had all the plates and everything, which was great. And so we just kept it going. This time around, uh, I have got a <laughs> full-on squat rack in my room. I panic bought the squat rack when I thought we were going into lockdown a few weeks ago. Turned out to be a good decision. <laughs> I thought maybe I'd made the wrong decision by ordering in this massive squat rack, but it's come in useful so far. Because uh, when we did get locked down, I was the only person sitting happy thinking, well, I mean, I know I have equipment anyway, so I'm okay. And um, now that I've developed a much stronger relationship with Nottingham Strong as the president of this society, uh, it's just meant that I was high on the priority list when it came to renting equipment. So I got first pick of everything pretty much, uh, got to take home what I wanted. So I am now training in my room with a squat rack, two thick rubber mats on the floor and all of my plates in the corner. Uh, so yeah, that's that's fun. <laughs> yeah, I saw your latest one. Um, and as, well, then out of entertainment, have you had any failed lifts since you've been lifting in your bedroom? I mean, I haven't had any failed lifts, but I have had close calls because it is it's it feels different um, lifting in here than it does lifting in a gym. I'm thinking about going through the floor constantly, and uh, because I'm on the third floor of my house. And this house is sort of falling apart. Being a student house, it's not obviously uh, the most structurally stable place in the world. We've had radiators randomly fall off the walls at times, but you know, that comes with the situation. It is actually one of the nicer, much, much nicer student houses in the area. Uh, and so when I am actually doing my squats and things, it can feel a bit cramped being in a room. Um, so sometimes I might, for example, get, I know, lightheaded or something, just being in this tight space. And uh, because the floor is carpeted underneath these mats instead of a solid floor, it feels slightly squishy. So it can feel a bit different, especially when I start to go heavy, uh, which hasn't been a problem just yet. But then equally with my deadlifts, the fear of dropping it is always there because I know I can just let it down if I'm getting tired or whatever on a normal training session. But here I'm not trying to drop it onto my roommate's head or onto the roof that's going to crash through their their ceiling uh so I try my best to sort of keep it 
easy. Today, actually, I happened to fall backwards on one of my lifts, which meant that it did come banging down, but everything was fine in the end. Uh, so we're still going, we're still going. But my coach will no longer be putting heavy deadlifts into my um, program because we've got it changed for the next few weeks of training. Hopefully only two more weeks of being locked up, but yeah. Um, okay, well, that's good to get a bit of a bit of light on that kind of idea. Um, and in terms of kind of your then your future plans or goals for for powerlifting, I know that you obviously were meant to you did a kind of a mock meet again in the last kind of couple of weeks, um, which kind of set you up probably with a little bit of an appetite to realise you you can go chasing some big kind of records. Uh, so, what how does that impact your future plans? And, and do you plan to kind of keep in? powerlifting in in the kind of mid to immediate future yeah um because now up to this point it's always been the short-term mid-term goal of catching up with the rest of the uh the rest of the lifters in my weight class in this country because now i'm an 83 kilogram lifter uh i am i i've always been trying to catch up with these boys for the, i say always for the past one and a half, two years, I've been trying to catch up with everyone. It's always been sort of lifting in the shadows. People don't really know who I am um, and just racing to try and be one of the better lifters, at least if not the best of the juniors in the country. Um, and now I'm at the point after that mock meet where if it had been official, I would have been ranked at third in the country overall rather than just in the juniors, which means obviously also the all the seniors, the open men, um, and so that sort of really given me the knowledge, just the drive to know that I can, I can push it a lot further. Um, and so in the short term, I would like to get this total official as soon as COVID allows us to have meets again, um, get this total official uh, and hopefully compete on, well, I mean, get this total official, win the British junior um, nationals, become British champion as a junior and then move on and compete at Worlds. Um, somehow Worlds would also be a short-term goal uh, because it would technically, or it should be next September. Um, and at Worlds, I would ideally like to win Worlds as well. Uh, seen as currently in terms of where the A3 class is last year, the winning total for the A3 juniors was 737.5 kilos. And at my mock meet, I totaled 746. So it's looking up and being like, okay, um, I could actually do this. I do know, obviously, the rest of my class, the rest of my weight class um, in terms of the world right now is moving ahead as I'm moving ahead. And so I know the boys are going to be competition. But at this current moment, I know that in the country, at least, my main competition was there competing, doing his mock meet on the same day that I did mine. I know that in the country, I am currently at least ahead, um, quite far ahead. And so I now have to look towards sort of international competition for where my next goals are going to lie. In the midterm, I would like to hit an 800 kg total. Uh, that ideally would be end of 2021, maybe mid-2022. Uh, just to take on the world record total, which was set by a guy called John Hack. Um, he's thought of to be, well, currently one of the best powerlifters there has been. 
and he set an 813 kilogram total back in 2016. And so I'd like to take that. <laughs> uh, looking at the current progress that I've been on the trajectory, I've put on quite a decent amount of kilos onto my total, which just means that although it sort of seems like, why should I be able to do that when everyone else has come and tried and failed up to this point, at least, um, I can also see the fact that while I may think that it's difficult and other people haven't done it, there's no reason why it shouldn't be me. Um, seeing as it has been progress the way it's been up to this point and everyone says there's no way that you're going to continue making this progress, but it's the same thing that they said a year ago and it continued. So hopefully that does keep pushing. And then I guess the long-term goal is to win the senior weight of, of the, uh, the seniors of the weight class um, internationally. But yeah. So it's definitely something that you're obviously going to look to pursue outside of university. Is powerlifting something that you could do as a full-time pursuit or are you looking as you're kind of getting out of university as a kind of combination you could go and have a, some kind of full-time job or is the powerlifting got legs to be done as a kind of job? Powerlifting definitely doesn't have legs to be done as a job just yet, to be fair. Um, uh, I know that I'm definitely going into law when I get out of uni, but uh, the goal would also be to continue powerlifting. Powerlifting has recently just started up with this so I don't know if you know the company SBD, um, but S so SBD uh, develops knee sleeves um, and a lot of other things that obviously weightlifters, crossfitters, uh, Olympic weightlifters use. And so they develop knee sleeves, singlets, etc. And they have a lot of money and backing behind them. And so they have recently or at least last year in, I think, I want to say it was going to be May. Um, May was going to be the first Sheffield meet. Um, and the Sheffields obviously was going to be held in Sheffields over here in the UK. And it was going to be a thing where they invite all of the best powerlifters in the world to this meet. Um, everyone gets invited, flies over here, and they compete against one another. Um, but it was going to be the first of its kind in the, it was going to be one person from each weight class competing against each other on sort of a ratio basis. And so instead of an 83 competing against another 83, it would be an 83 competing against a 66 and seeing who's strongest pound for pound. Um, and the winners, there was, I think, 500,000 pounds in prize money uh, for grabs. And so that is now making it seem like powerlifting could someday soon be something that you could do completely on its own uh, because currently prize money and things does happen but that happens in the untested divisions where people are allowed to take drugs and steroids and everything as opposed to the the federation that i lift in where you are regularly drug tested randomly drug tested and obviously drugs are not acceptable in any way so yeah Wow. Okay. And then in terms of just as a last kind of question, as we round up, um, how do you kind of judge the impact that your, you know, almost your sporting background at school uh, and, and how does that, how has that impacted you in the last few years in terms of now pushing towards not just the top end of your sport, hopefully uh, locally and, and nationally, but also internationally as your kind of long-term goal? Um, I would say sports really does help, especially with a sport like powerlifting, just because, 
especially being at like school doing PE lessons doing <laughs> just competing in general at school in different sports teams it gave me that basis to sort of a sporting basis just an athletic basis to push me in the sport that alone would have developed my ability as a powerlifter um just having the build and the makeup to be able to then go on and lift heavy weights without ever having lifted weights before necessarily um but then equally it put me in the correct mindset um because it can be difficult doing two three hour sessions just repetitive just doing the same thing over and over again but having the mindset and the drive that I got from being so competitive in these lessons in these competitions in these school teams um that competitive edge wouldn't or maybe wouldn't have been developed in anywhere near the same way as it has been just because being with all the boys being with Yusuf Matthew or the rest of them like competing against everyone on a regular basis just made us all so driven to want to do well and so that just means that no matter how much I'm hating my sessions it's not comparable to running a bleep test in 50 degree heat and I know that in the back of my mind and so I'm thinking right well just suck it up get through this session and then we'll get better and move on to the next one and I think that really is such a big driver it divides people who played sport and didn't in this sport who played sort of team sports back when they were younger uh, and whenever people go oh yeah did you play like any team sports when you were younger I'll go oh yeah like been playing since I was like four or whatever and they'll go of course you did um and that just goes to show that it is a really well thought of thing within powerlifting and it just generally I know that it definitely helped me 100 percent good well I think I've probably grilled you enough and I am aware it's now 1am in the UK not that this is advocated to our younger listeners to stay up this late Nathan being on lockdown has insisted that his schedule has changed, so I'm not keeping him awake. He's probably going to be awake for another hour. Um, but no, really good to catch up, Nathan. Um, and I must say that it's really positive to hear from a former student who has gone on to be so successful, both academically, but also continued down a sporting journey. And obviously you've got plans to, to keep that going for years to come. So uh, happy to hear. Uh, great to see you looking well. And uh, yeah, I wish you all the best for the future plans and I'll be following them closely. Where can people follow your journey if they want to to see what you're up to? Um, so at the Calf Hunter on Instagram, that's, uh, that is it because of the, uh, the small calves. So yeah, that is, that is where to find me. Okay, I'll share that in, in the show notes as well for any of our listeners that have got Instagram. So yeah, that is the, the Calf Hunter because um, Nathan is underselling himself as having no calves, but obviously having muscles elsewhere. Um, right, well, great to, to hear from you again, Nathan. And uh, yeah, wish you all the best. Take it easy. Thank you very much. You too. Nice one, Nathan. Cheers, buddy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Nattering with the Knights. If you want to make sure that you don't miss any future episodes, then please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please reach out to your PE teacher if you have any feedback or ideas about topics you would like to see and hear about in the future. In the meantime, have a great week and we will see you next time.